Content warning. This episode mentions miscarriage, pregnancy loss, and infertility. If any of these themes are triggering for you, please take care while you're listening. If you are grieving for the loss of your baby, you can seek support at miscarriagesupport.org.nz. Hi everyone, I'm Sky Ross and this is Motherness, a podcast dedicated to sharing mindful and empowering interviews with mothers and experts. Together, we're shining a light on the realness of raising babies and life postpartum, from the first moments to the months following and the years beyond. Motherness serves to hold space for mothers in all their glory, to inform you, to include you, to empower you and to connect you. And despite our different experiences, opinions, and approaches, as mothers who love, we are grounded in this together. This episode of Motherness is proudly sponsored by Little Bambinos. Little Bambinos is a lovingly curated online store for minis and their mamas. We make buying for your little one easy by bringing your favourite high-quality brands together in one place. We also have a great selection of maternity and breastfeeding-friendly clothing that you will continue to wear for years to come. Our collection of brands include By Billy, Jamie Kay, Tiny Trove, The Lullaby Club, Conjay Salid, Susu Koshi, Vasia, plus so many more. Visit littlebambinos.co.nz to browse our beautiful range of clothing and accessories for babies, children up to eight years, and women. Little Bambinos is offering all Motherness listeners 10% off store-wide. Enter the code MOTHERNESS at checkout to receive your discount, plus get free shipping within New Zealand when you spend over $100. Thank you so much again to Little Bambinos for sponsoring this episode of Motherness. There's something about having a child who's a toddler that makes people feel like they have the right to ask you when you're having another. Not would you like to, but often when. Or the classic, time for another. That one really gets me. But you know what? I'm also guilty of asking. People are most often curious and almost never intending to be intrusive. But it's just so personal. And it can be quite sensitive. The thing is, you might want to have only one child. Or you might want another one day, but you aren't ready yet. Or maybe you're trying, and it doesn't seem to be happening. As many of us know, fertility is not linear. And this was my friend Gemma's reality. Today, she takes us through what it was like to have no complications naturally conceiving her first son, Max. But then she and her husband, Eve, experienced unexplained secondary infertility. They had two miscarriages and eventually chose to undergo IVF to have their second son, Jasper. If nothing else, this episode is a reminder that you just don't know. No one knows how quickly or how long it could take to conceive, whether it's your first pregnancy or a subsequent one. I have no doubt that in Gemma bravely sharing her very personal story with you today, this episode will shift perspectives on what we think we know infertility to be. So here's Gemma, in all of her grace, for motherness. 
Hi, Gemma. Welcome to Motherness. Thank you so much for joining me today. Can you start by introducing yourself? Tell everyone who you are, where you live, and who you are a mother to. Okay. Hi, Sky. My name is Gemma, and I live in Auckland with my husband, Evan, and our two little boys. Um, Max is six, and Jasper is 18 months. Amazing. And so you and I have been friends since before you had Max, we yes. worked together in magazines. So I very much remember your pregnancy and you falling pregnant with Max. But for everybody listening, can you just give us a bit of a story as to your pregnancy, falling pregnant, and how you discovered that? Okay. So um, with Maxie, we, we got married. And then about six months later, we decided we wanted to try for a family. And luckily, after maybe three months, we fell pregnant naturally. Of, And um, yeah, it was very straightforward. So we're very lucky with that. I found out because one day I had this dream that I was pregnant. And so I called Ev up and I said, oh, could you pick up a pregnancy test for me? And he said that if he could find a park, he would run in and grab one. So as he was driving home from work, Lo and behold, there was a free car space right outside the chemist um, in Newmarket. And he pulled over, got grabbed one, bought it home. I think I did the test straight away and it came back positive. So yeah, it was really cool. Amazing. And did you guys decide to find out the sex of the baby during your pregnancy? No, we didn't. We decided to keep it a surprise, which was crazy because I'm such an impatient person. And um, so, yeah, everyone was really surprised that I could wait that long, but it was seriously such an amazing surprise. So I'm really glad that I, yeah, we did that. Awesome. And so how was it for you guys adjusting to life as parents, having a newborn? How did you go that first time around? Um, first time around, luckily for us, my mother was living with us because she had just sold her house and um, was looking to buy a new house. So in that period, she was living with us, which was great. So she was such a big help. So yeah, I think we adjusted pretty well. Um, all in all, I'd say. And so at what point did you guys think that you might like to have another child? Had you kind of had an idea originally of what sort of age gap you wanted? Anything like that? Yeah, I did actually. I really... In my mind, I think, because I come from a family, um, there's two of us, and there's a two-year gap. So I think from that, I was like, oh, you know, two-year gap would be awesome. I'd like to try for that. Um, and I think after Max turned one, we thought, let's try again. And we did. And we fell pregnant straight off the bat, first go again. So, yeah, we were really stoked with that. But unfortunately, that pregnancy ended up in miscarriage, uh, maybe around eight weeks, I think. Um, so yeah, that was a bit devastating at the time. But um, because I had fallen pregnant so easily before, I figured, oh, well, I'll just try again and I should be pregnant, you know, soon. But that mm -hmm. was not the case. <laughs> so how long did you guys try for again after that miscarriage before you thought, it's maybe time to get some extra help. Um, I think about a year went by um, of trying naturally and nothing happened. So I went to see my obstetrician who also happens to be a fertility doctor and um, he 
told us to try clomiphene, which is a fertility medication that helps to induce ovulation. So yeah, we thought we'd give that a go. So I think about after a year, we went on clomiphene. Yeah. And how was it for you when, I guess, that that due date of that, what was a baby who you unfortunately miscarried came and went? Was that quite an emotional and challenging time for you guys? Um, yeah, it was, but also I had lots of friends that had had miscarriages. Um, so I sort of knew in the back of my head that that was always part and parcel, I guess, of trying for children and having a family. Um, mm-hmm. So I wasn't like too shocked by it. I just wanted to sort of get through that and then move on and focus on, you know, trying again. But of course it is, it's horrible, but I just tried to focus on, you know, the fact that that baby wasn't meant to be and perhaps wasn't healthy and, you know, would, would try again. Yeah. And so how long did you guys do the clomiphene for and did you have any success with falling pregnant on that? So we went on the clomiphene for three months. So that's like three rounds essentially. And we were unsuccessful, unfortunately, on that. So after that, we went back to the doctor and he decided to test us both or just make sure that there wasn't anything wrong with either of us as to why we weren't falling pregnant. So um, Eve got tested. I got several tests done as well and everything came back fine. I even had an HSG test, which is when they, it's basically like an x-ray and they run dye through your fallopian tubes to see if they're blocked because I had had a miscarriage. He just wanted to make sure that everything was clear from that pregnancy, particularly because I miscarried naturally. So yeah, just sometimes the dye, when they flush it through the tubes, it pushes sort of things out and yeah, just, just to check there wasn't any blockages. So yeah, we had all the tests done and they all were fine. So it was a bit of a mystery really as to why um, I wasn't falling pregnant. There was sort of no rhyme or reason. And how did that make you guys feel? Like, did you kind of want a reason so you at least had an explanation? Was it quite frustrating? a little bit. I guess, yes. I mean, relieved that there wasn't sort of an issue. So I thought, I was hopeful. I was like, okay, well, I'm optimistic that it will happen again because there's not really an underlying issue. But also just frustrating that you couldn't pinpoint it to something like, oh, it's because of this or because of that. That was the frustrating part. But my doctor said that the next option for us was to go to IVF. And that just seemed really daunting to me at the time. Um, And I wasn't ready to do it. So I said, you know what, Eve, let's just take a break and stop trying for a while. Let's go on holiday and just, you know, see what happens. And because everyone kept saying, oh, stop stressing about it. Just go on holiday and you're full pregnant. Or, you know, I know someone that, you know, as soon as they stopped trying, they fell pregnant. You know, you hear all these stories about other people. So we were like, okay, well, let's just forget about it and see what happens. Mm. Did you feel like you could actually like switch off from it? Or was there a part of you each month that no. hoped you could fall <laughs> yes. nat- like pregnant naturally because you'd done so the first time with Max? Yes. I think that at this point, it's sort of been a two-year journey already of trying 
And it's sort of just ingrained in you every month. You sort of know when you're ovulating. You kind of know, you know, the symptoms. And I think you just, you can't switch off. I, I personally couldn't. So even though you're not really trying, you kind of are. Well, at least that's how I felt. I couldn't, I mm-hmm. couldn't switch off at all. Yeah. And I remember a time, I don't even know if you'll remember this, but you were working in a store and I came in with like just this person. Anyway, you and I and her were having a conversation and she asked you about your children and you said that you had Max. And then she said something about, oh, it's time to try for another one. And meanwhile, I'm standing there knowing what you're going through and that you're waiting you know, you're waiting to decide whether you're going to do IVF and you'd had your miscarriage and I'm standing there going, oh my God, you just shouldn't ask people these questions. And she just, she didn't even know you, you know, so people do this all the time. But how, I don't know if you remember that story, but how were moments like that for you when you get that external pressure from people who potentially don't know what you're going through to have another child? Meanwhile, you're trying your hardest and it's just, it's actually out of your control. Yes, I don't remember that specific time, but it happened a lot. I think when you've already had a child, people assume, oh, well, she can have a baby, so I don't feel bad asking her when she's going to have another one. Mm. So it would come up a lot. Lots of people would be like, oh, when are you, time for number two? When are you going to have another one? You know, I bet you want a girl next. Like people ask you that all the time. And I'm probably guilty of it as well because you don't, if someone already has a healthy child, you think, oh, well, they can have it again, another one easily, but it's not really the case as, you know, in my case anyway. So, yeah, I would get that a lot, definitely. And how did you feel during those times? Like, did it upset you? Did you feel quite resilient to it or were you quite affected by it? I wasn't offended because I think, I just know people don't, mean it they're not coming from a bad place when they ask you mm-hmm. and like I said I've probably done it many times myself but I think I just got to the point where I would just say sometimes to people oh you know um we're trying but it's not that easy or you know I just sort of would kind of just say something like that to sort of stop any more questions yeah I just got to the point where I just thought well I'm I'm you know, I am trying. It's not It's not happening as quick as we wanted it to. And I thought just being honest was better for me. Yeah. Like for anybody listening who knows you, they'll know that you're like incredibly gracious in life in general. And I remember you said something similar in that example I gave before. And it, I mean, it's just, I don't know how you did it because I would think that I would find it really difficult in those moments, but that's just the essence of who you are. You're just incredibly gracious. But did you have times, I guess, behind closed doors with Ev where it was really emotional and really difficult for you? Yes, definitely. Um, It was when people were having their second or their third babies all around me without any... um, problem I don't know I'm starting to get choked up now but that was really hard for me I'd have friends that were just fall pregnant in the drop of a hat and I really really wanted it and maybe they weren't even trying and that was really hard because I was so happy for them because they were my friends but it was hard for me because I really really wanted it 
and it just wasn't happening for me and I felt guilty for feeling I felt really guilty for feeling not bad but just just you know it was just frustrating I think because I was like why isn't that me you know yeah and I think that's I guess part of the thing about secondary infertility is it's like people a don't talk about it but b don't know probably how to approach it because you know some people might choose to have one child or be happy with one child and but the longing for a child is difficult and emotional and upsetting if it's not happening for you, no matter how many children you already have or how grateful you are to have Max already. Yeah. It's still completely valid to to want another. Yeah, and that's a hard thing because you think you are guilty because you're like, well, I've got a happy, healthy child and there are some people that don't even have that. Like I should be, you know grateful for that and I was grateful and I did get to the point where I was like if I can't have any more children then and this is my lot then I am so blessed and I'm happy but there is always a part of you that's like I just want to have another one I didn't feel like my family was complete you're just so torn because you know you want to be so grateful for that one child that you have but there's just something you know in you that's longing for another I just I can't describe it I don't know it's just that's what it was like for me Mm. yeah and did Maxie get to a point where he was kind of starting to see his friends have siblings did he ever like ask about you having another baby or was he kind of too young no he definitely was but I think even by the time he was sort of three four he was asking for a sibling he wanted a brother specifically and would ask for one all the time because all our friends had multiple children and siblings and you know it's what he wanted he wanted a little playmate I guess essentially and I just kept thinking oh if only you knew we're trying our best but yeah and how did you navigate that with him like What would you say in those times when he asked for one? I would just say, oh, hopefully one day we'll be lucky enough to have, you know, a brother or a sister. Or you'll Mm. be lucky enough to have a brother or a sister, yeah. At what point did you feel like you were mentally and emotionally ready for IVF? And was Ev, I guess, always keen and just happy to wait until you were ready to do it? Yeah, F was always very supportive and obviously with IVF a lot of it lands on the woman who has to do all the hard work for it. So he was always like, when you're ready, he's like, I'm ready whenever you're ready. You have to be emotionally, physically and mentally ready for it. And I, we went and actually spoke to the doctor about IVF and got all the information and spoke to the nurses and... I was so overwhelmed from that first meeting because they give you this huge booklet with all the information and all the drugs you'll be taking and what you have to do. And it just was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this um, right now. So I came out of that meeting feeling quite intimidated. And I said to Ev, I don't think I'm ready for this yet. So we kind of parked it for, oh, I don't know, maybe like five months. And I just said, let's just keep trying naturally. I just felt more comfortable just thinking, oh, I think it's just going to happen. I can feel it in my bones. I think it's just going to happen naturally. So we just left it for a while. And then one day I just woke up and I thought, 
I'm ready. Like, I just felt like something inside me was like, I'm ready now. I'm going to do it. So we just booked in to go see the doctor again. And pretty much it started. Everything started. Yeah, right. So can you take us through the process of IVF? Because I think, you know, people know that it exists, but if you haven't been through it, you might not quite understand the steps. So what was kind of the first step and how does it go from there? Yeah, so um, everyone's IVF plan is slightly different and is catered specifically for them. But generally, the first steps are always taking some kind of drug or hormone that are going to help stimulate the growth and the development of the eggs. So in my case, I think roughly 10 days I took, well, I injected the drug um, into my stomach that I was put on by my doctor. And then in the later sort of few days of that, of those 10 days, I would have a scan and blood tests sort of every couple of days. And this was just them monitoring how big the follicles were growing. And then once they were at a optimal size, they were like, yep, okay, you're ready for an egg retrieval. Um, So once you've had the egg retrieval procedure, they fertilize the eggs and then they keep them over several days and just to keep an eye on them and see how, well, first of all, to see if any fertilize and then also to see how they then develop into an embryo. And then hopefully, if you're lucky enough, you have um, a nice healthy embryo that you can then transfer back into your body. And so how many eggs did you get that first time? And then do you remember how many embryos you ended up with? So I think from memory, they retrieved 22 eggs um, and then 14 fertilized. And then from that 14, there was five that uh, developed into sort of like a healthy embryo that they could consider to transfer. Yeah, so it ended up with five embryos in the end. Yeah, and so did that first transfer take? How did that go? Yeah, that first transfer took, which was awesome, and we were so happy and hopeful But unfortunately, then um, at about eight weeks, I think I had my eight-week scan and they said that the baby hadn't grown much and they didn't think that it was going to um, progress any further. And so at about 12 weeks, I ended up having a DNC. What was that experience like compared to your first miscarriage where you miscarried naturally? I mean, I just would imagine those weeks of waiting to see would be complete agony. I mean, nobody wants to go through either experience, but I imagine that would be especially difficult. Yeah, I think um, the second time was just really like, oh, man, (laughs) annoying. And I, because you had been through such a journey to get there with the IVF and taking the drugs and everything, I was just um, a bit, felt a bit deflated, but I also knew I had four frozen embryos left, so I had four more chances. So I was, I was just hopeful, really, that one of them was going to take. And so after, 
I had the DNC, I think I waited, um, I think you wait a month and then you get your period and then I think I was like, yep, let's just put another embryo straight back in. And so that's what we did. And um, the second time was the one. And so tell me about discovering you were pregnant that time. Did you, I've heard that you are supposed to wait until you have the blood test through your fertility specialist to confirm the pregnancy. But I also would imagine that you'd be wanting to test constantly with just the home pregnancy (laughs) test. So what did you guys do? And tell me about the moment that you realized you were pregnant. Do you know what, Sky? I waited for the blood test. I was a really good girl and I listened to them. (laughs) As much as I was, both times actually, I waited and never Mm. took another home pregnancy test. I just wanted to get the absolute 100% confirmation because I didn't want to take a pregnancy test and and then it come back negative because it was too early and then just feel deflated. I didn't want to go through any more emotional roller coasters I just thought I'm just gonna wait and get the proper you know a-okay everything's good so I waited yeah and I'm glad I did yeah amazing and so do you feel like you could get excited in that pregnancy at what point did you feel like you could kind of maybe relax a little bit more if you could and be like I'm excited about this I'm gonna have another baby I was excited after my eight-week scan purely because the last two times I was pregnant at that eight-week scan, I found out that I was going to miscarry. So for me, that was like the hurdle, the mental hurdle I needed to get through. And I remember we were, it was around summer and we were in Waiheke and I was like, oh, I've got to go to my eight-week scan so I went back on the ferry by myself and went to the appointment by myself. So Eve stayed in Waiheke with Max. And um, I remember being so nervous because to me that was the one that I needed to get good news from. But also I was feeling so sick. Like I had terrible morning sickness that I was like, I think that this is going to be good because I felt so sick and I hadn't the last two times. So yeah, I think in my mind I was like feeling quite positive about it because of that reason. So, and then obviously the 12 week one is a big one for everyone. So that probably the 12 week was like where I could really relax. But for me, the mental hurdle was the eight week. Like I just needed to get through that eight week, like push past that. And then I felt so much better. But considering I felt so sick the whole time, I was like, oh, I think this is going to be fine. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that sickness is just such a relief because you know that you've got high HCG levels, something's happening, and yeah, like it is awful as the morning sickness is. It can be a source of comfort in a way. Yeah, definitely. I think if I had stopped feeling sick, I would worry. But because I was, you know... Yeah. So, yeah, definitely good sign. How was that scan for you then when you're lying there, the anticipation, and then you see the little baby and the little heartbeat? Was oh, it just, like, yeah, just nervous. Just the most just, incredible moment. Yeah, I was just looking at my obstetrician's face, trying to pick up any sign, and he just was like, yeah, all looking good. Like straight away he said it because he probably could feel I was nervous. 
I was so relieved. I remember coming out of that appointment and calling Ev straight away and he didn't answer his phone because <laughs> he was at the beach. I was like, oh God, I want to call someone. So I obviously called my mom and then, yeah, so it was just, um, yeah, I was just really excited to get through that. And then the actual pregnancy all went really well from there. So yeah, I was really lucky. Yeah, amazing. And so how did you tell Maxie that you were pregnant and what was his reaction or was he just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Like just being a kid and not really having the context or the understanding of what you'd gone through to get to that point. He would ask me all the time and I remember I was actually pregnant at the time, but it was um, before 12 weeks. So I didn't really want to tell him until you know, I'd got the okay after the 12-week scan because I knew that he was just going to go and tell every man and his dog after that. So I was like, I can't tell him. But I just remember he would ask me, oh, mummy, when I'm going to have a brother or a sister? And I just remember smiling to myself and just feeling so happy because I knew I was going to be able to give him his wish soon. And yeah, that was cool. It was a really cool feeling. And I just couldn't wait until I got to the 12-week scan and they were like yep everything's fine and I was so excited to tell Max like so excited and he was really excited too so yeah it was it was really nice. Mm, Cool and did you guys decide to have a surprise during this pregnancy as well or did you want to find out this time given everything that you've been through? Yeah this time around was different I really wanted to find out because I just wanted something like a little something to celebrate you know and we'd been through such a um, hard on such a hard journey to get there. I was like, you know, let's just find out and celebrate and plan. And yeah, I'm really glad I did. I've I've experienced both now. I've had the surprise and I've found and I've also found out early. And I think they're both great in different ways. So it's cool. Yeah, I'm really glad I found out. And also because I had another boy, it was just nice to be able to tell Max, oh, you are having a brother, you know, like he could Mm -hmm. sort of connect with the baby more, I think, knowing it was going to be a boy. So it was nice for him to know that as well. Yeah, cool. And how did you go like getting prepared and everything? Did you, had you kept things from when Max was a baby in the hopes? Oh yes, I kept everything. The nursery was still set up as a nursery, like nothing had changed. I just like, Maxie went from his like nursery room and straight into a different, a different room as his like, you know, bedroom, boy bedroom. So I kind of just kept everything in the nursery as it was in hope. So it literally sat there for like four years just waiting for a baby like crazy but I was yeah I was always really hopeful that it you know would one day be used again so yeah yeah amazing um and so how old was Maxie when Jasper was born and what was it like meeting Jasper for the first time um Maxie was nearly five and you know, he just understood so much because he's at that age, which is was great. You know, in hindsight now, the, the bigger age gap has been so lovely because he understands everything. And he's not kind of like that needy toddler age where they don't quite get it. Like, I'm feeding the baby, so like, okay, he'll be patient. He knows to wait or, you know, like, oh, Maxie, can you go get me a nappy? And he'll go and get me what I need. And it's just all those that understanding is there for him. But, yeah, meeting Jasper for the first time, oh, so lovely. Just, re- like, I think people, mothers just dream of it. And, you know, the first time they hold the baby and all that, it's just, yeah, it's really, really sweet. Um, and he's he's a really 
great big brother to him. So yeah, we're really lucky. Tell me, when you were kind of thinking about going into being a parent, you know, you're pregnant, you're about to have a second, compared to going into being a parent for the first time, how were you mentally? Like, were you a lot more relaxed because you knew what you were doing? Were you excited? Were you nervous about anything? Like, what were your expectations for having a child the second time round? Second time round, you're so much more relaxed, I think. With Max, I was... You know, I think he was a bad sleeper, so I got the sleep consultant and he was on a strict routine. He had to be up at this time, back down at that time, had to eat at this time. Everything was just, you know, it was kind of like, I guess, what a first-time mum would do um, because you don't really know what you're doing. Second time round, so much more relaxed, like no schedule, just, you know, he just kind of had to fit in with what we were doing. Like Maxie was at school, so he would just come with me everywhere and he'd just have to sleep, you know, when it fit in with our schedule of pickups and drop-offs and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so you are a lot more relaxed and you know that everything is a phase. So um, you know one day they'll eventually sleep through the night. Like I, I wasn't sort of as adamant about getting him to sleep through the night like I was with Max. I think the second time you're like, well... You know, I mean, when Jasper's is a terrible, terrible sleeper and he still doesn't sleep through the night, but I'm like, well, I know he will one day, like it's not forever. And I sort of, I guess you cherish that baby phase more. Like I know with Max and I'm sure lots of other um, mums with their first, you are so excited to get to each phase. Like, oh, I can't wait till they crawl. I can't wait till they talk. I can't wait. You know, you, you want to get to those next milestones because it's so exciting. But the second time round, I'm definitely like just trying to enjoy each moment. Like, oh, please don't walk too soon. Like, I want you to stay a baby for as long as possible. That's how I feel anyway. I'm definitely cherishing that baby phase more and I don't want him to grow up so soon. And do you think that some of that's down to your journey to having him? Like it took so much longer. You had to go through fertility treatment. Do you think that cherishing and not wanting to grow not up wish so the soon. away, but kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, do you think that's that has something to do with it as well? Potentially. I mean, maybe. I don't know if that's, it's hard for me to say because is that just a second child thing or is that because of what I went through? I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. And also, I guess, sort of, I guess, knowing that he's my last as well, Maybe I am holding on to things more because it's like, oh, this is the last time, you know, I'm going to have a little baby like this. So uh, it could be a whole combination of things. But, yeah, definitely cherishing it more this time for many reasons. Yeah, beautiful. And then I guess in terms of parenting, you know, like Maxie was almost five, started school when Jasper was a baby. Do you feel like your parenting evolved or changed having Jasper? And if so, how do your experiences with the two boys kind of compare, I guess, as babies? In some ways, as babies, um, oh, I don't know. Like it's Because Max is at school, it's like I have jasper all to myself in the day so it's almost like he's an only child during the day because um i have that so much one-on-one time with him which is so lovely and i know a lot of people that have children closer in age they struggle because they've got two at home all the time and it's a bit harder so in some ways it's really nice he does feel like an only child during the day but 
Yes, babies. I don't know. I probably just, I mean, the great thing about Max is he's such great entertainment for Jasper. Like I remember with Max, there was that phase when he was one and, you know, like one to two, I guess. And I just needed constant entertainment. And I was always having to like play and do I don't know, painting or take him to wriggle and rhyme, take him to the zoo, take him to this, that, the park. I was constantly doing stuff with him all the time. Every day I'd have some plan, a play date. With Jasper, I haven't needed to do all of that as much because um, particularly in the holidays and in the weekends when Max is around, he's just like Jasper's entertainment. He keeps him busy and he keeps him, you know, keeps them like active and doing things together. So it's been easier in that way because I've got like a little extra pair of hands to help me, if that makes sense. How was your relationship the second time round with Ev? Because I don't know about you guys, but when I found having a child for the first time, that first year is just quite intense and, you know, your relationship changes quite a bit. Do you feel like having that older child and Maxie has been quite nice in terms of you and Ev still being able to very much connect with each other and not being completely pulled in different directions like you necessarily like you might be the first time. Um, I think you're still pulled in different directions, just different like because you still have a baby um to take care of. And I guess that relies you know what, the biggest thing I think is for like Max and I were such a tight unit. And then when Jasper came along, he was born a month early. So we were um, in hospital for nine days. So Ev was at home with Max. And I think that um, that time that they've had together and obviously me, you know, with a newborn with lots of feeding and all that, um, I was away with Jasper a lot more. And so it sort of made Max and Ev really bond. And now they are just like inseparable like they are so tight they're best friends like if Max is upset he will want his dad he does not want a bar of me anymore (laughs) which I don't know maybe it's a boy thing as well because like they love playing soccer together and they like doing boy things together so it could just be like now he's at that age like he's six now and he's like more aware like oh boys do this and you know like I don't know it could be a combination of things but they are so tight now so that's definitely changed in like the family dynamic because I'm probably more the one that takes care of Jasper and Eve sort of taken over the role and like you know hangs with Max more yeah oh that's so cute sorry I don't even know if that answered that question no you definitely did no I think that's good it's something that I hadn't thought of but I guess it's quite nice because compared to the first time sometimes it's like you know, if you're breastfeeding and you're the stay-at-home mum, especially for that first year or beyond, you're very much the primary caregiver and the dad is kind of like slotting in when he can. But it sounds like having an additional child meant you kind of took one each. Yeah, yeah. you divide and conquer beautiful. Yeah, Yeah. there was something really beautiful to come of that in terms of Ev's relationship with Maxie. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So I guess... Just kind of reflecting on your journey and how we were talking before about people um, saying things, I guess, out of term when they perhaps didn't know your story or um, just assumed and no one comes at it with bad intentions. But for people listening who 
maybe know someone who's struggling to conceive or has is going through fertility treatment what advice can you offer in terms of how you can best support your friend or your family member or the person you know who's going through that like what do you wish people did for you or said or what did people do that was really helpful I think just to be there and to listen to them if they want to talk about it, because sometimes you don't, you know, you want to have a distraction or, or you might want to talk about it. I think just gauge from them what they would like. And I guess it depends on your relationship with them. Some people might not really want to talk about it or, you know, might be a bit of a, a sore subject. I was quite open about it with my close girlfriends and they all knew what I was going through and they were all really wonderful. And I think one thing that I remember that I found hard, but I don't really know if there's any way around it because it's such a difficult, and maybe it's just a sore spot because I was the one that was struggling. But a friend of mine that had fallen pregnant was like, oh, I don't, I'm really nervous. I don't want to tell Jim because she felt bad. She didn't, I guess she didn't want to say it to me because she knew I was struggling. And I don't know if that hurt me more because I was like, oh, like I feel really bad that I was the cause of you feeling bad for not telling me. I don't even know if this makes sense, but I was like, oh, like it almost made me feel worse because I was the reason she couldn't tell me she was pregnant or that you know what I mean? But it's yeah. a double-edged sword because, of course, when she tells me, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, like, you know, but I don't know. I, I guess it's a hard one. It is what it is sometimes and there's, you know, you're going to be sort of hurt anyway at some point. I don't know. I'm not really sure <laughs> what to say there. It, no, I think that's. I think that's really good advice. I mean, I had a friend who lost a baby very sadly and people just didn't acknowledge it and you know I just think that you're better off to you know like you say you're going to be hurt either way but it probably hurts even more feeling like they felt like they had to keep it from you to protect you but it's Mm. inevitable that you're going to find out so you'd probably rather a personal message saying I just wanted to let you know personally that we're pregnant again would be much better than hearing it through somebody else and knowing that they didn't want to tell you because you're going to find out like they're pregnant. It's not like they can hide it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think sometimes it's better just to face it front on and deal with it. Although it's awkward, it's almost like ripping off a bandaid, like just, just do it and be honest and tell them. And I think that they, even though it might hurt, they will appreciate it, you know, down the track yep. more than knowing that that person was talking behind your back to another friend saying, oh, I'm nervous at our gym, you know, I'm, and you, I don't know, I just, I just, it made me feel a bit uneasy, I think, knowing that these conversations were happening behind my back. But I understand, that's the point, is I understand why it was happening and I appreciate that they were mindful of my feelings so I can understand the whole thing you know and that's the hard thing but you can't help how you feel so yeah I understand why they were doing it and I appreciate that and they were only being good friends and looking out for my feelings but 
in doing that, it still hurt my feelings, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, it absolutely does. And like like you said, you're damned if you do, you're damned yeah. if you don't. It's yeah. uncomfortable for both parties. And I think that you kind of just have to acknowledge as potentially the pregnant friend that it's going to be uncomfortable for you too. But they would rather, or at least you did. I mean, for me, we can't I mean, for yeah, exactly. This was my yep. experience, and everyone's yep. different. And um, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's really fair. And I mean, it might even be things like taking into consideration baby showers as well. Like you would probably. I mean, I know if I was in the situation, I would rather be invited and choose to set my own boundaries and turn that invitation down than not be invited at all because people would be worried about hurting me. Like, yes, agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you had two embryo transfers. You kind of alluded to it before. You said that Jess was your last baby. You guys definitely done. You're not going to use the embryos that are still on ice. There's no third potential baby in the works for your family. This is something that I think about a lot and it's sort of uh, my heart and my head, you know, once my heart saying have another <laughs> and my head saying no, like you've got two healthy boys, you know, life is so great with two, just, you know, be grateful for what you've got and let's just, you know, enjoy these two boys. So it is a little bit of a battle between the heart and the head. And I don't know. I wonder whether you just know when you're done or not. I don't know. I mean, Jasper's 18 months, so I am not in a rush to have another baby yet. Like maybe in a year, ask me again. But there's no plans to at this stage. And um, I think Ev is pretty content with two. So I don't know. Watch this space, Sky. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I just have a couple of questions left for you. The first one is a potentially a really difficult question to ask, but I feel like I need to ask it anyway. And that is, if somebody is listening and they're currently going through secondary infertility, I mean, it's not like you can say, you'll definitely have another because you don't you, know. nobody yeah. knows yeah. that. But if... If you can put yourself back in that time and have somebody else like you speaking to you, what would you want to hear about it? What advice would you want to hear? I think explore all your options. Go and speak to a professional. Find out what all your options are and go for it. Like with IVF, like I'm so glad I did it. I was so nervous about it for months and months and months before I even was ready to try. But you know what? It was so worth it. And yeah, I think for me, I was just ready to try everything I possibly could to have another one. And I just tried to mentally prepare myself that if it wasn't meant to be, then I will have to just accept that and, you know, enjoy life with, you know, one child. And that would still be wonderful, I think. But, I mean, it's easier said than done. Yeah. You just have to explore all of your options to be able to draw a line in the sand and go, I'm done and I've done yeah. all that I can. And all that I can, I'm. exactly, yeah. Well, my final question is one that I ask all of my guests and 
I believe that the mother we hope to be is exactly the kind of mother that we are. So Gemma, what kind of mother do you hope to be to your two beautiful boys? And therefore, what kind of mother are you? I want to raise my boys to be respectful, um, kind and caring. I want them to be true to themselves and to be the best versions of themselves. I just want them to be good people. And I know that that starts from home and I, I hope that I can be all those things um, and lead by example for them for the future yeah (laughs) thank you so much for listening to this episode of motherness for more empowering interviews like this one check us out on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you like to listen and if you like today's episode please subscribe and leave a review so more listeners can discover all that motherness has to offer We are at motherness.podcast on Instagram and our DMs are always open if you need advice or would like to chat. I'm Sky Ross and you've been listening to Motherness.